If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, How are you? I'm great. Do you remember when we used to uh, go to the coffee bean and talk about guys? Oh, my God. That was, I remember my son was like two. <laughs> so that means that was 20 years ago. Oh, my God. We talked about guys and writing. I And here we are talking to about guys and writing. Still. <laughs> But except one of us is a relationship expert and best-selling uh, author, and one of us is still single. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we've all had a lot of experiences since then, though. That's the thing. That's right. So we're a lot smarter than we were then. That's or right. We're more experienced. We're more experienced. So true. Thank, thank, thank God for that. Goddess for that. Um, okay, let me read this little thing. First of all, I'm so happy that you're here, lovely Tracy McMillan. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. And hi, everybody, and Melinda's, all Melinda's friends. <laughs> hi, everyone, all Melinda's friends and all Tracy's friends. Um, I hope your flight in was okay and your accommodations are. Yeah, everything was great. The car <laughs> service, the hotel. <laughs> Look. <laughs> yeah okay perfect okay um hi everyone i i'm melinda hill and welcome to let's process this the podcast that explores how best to survive trauma and use it to inform your creative process um today i am so excited to have my longtime friend uh tracy mcmillan who is a television writer whose credits include mad men and good girls revolt a re- she's also a relationship expert whose TED Talk, The Person You Really Need to Marry, has more than 12 million views. Booyah! And her- <laughs> it doesn't say that, I just added that. <laughs> and host of the relationship reality show, Family or Fiance, on the OWN Network. Please welcome Tracy McMillan. Hi, Tracy! Hey, it's good to be here. I'm so excited you're here. Um, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I know. We just got off the phone for an hour, so let's just keep it going. <laughs> we we should have just recorded that. Then we wouldn't have to. Yeah, that would good. <laughs> TMI. We would have called that podcast TMI. Yeah, that podcast is TMI. <laughs> too, too much for prime time. Yeah. Um, I guess I just, I, I first would just love to ask how, like, what kind of personal trauma have you overcome? How did you do it? And how has that informed your creative process? It's a three-part question. Okay. It's like, it's a little question, no big deal. So, <laughs> so I had tons of trauma. You know how they measure trauma is like the thing called the um, adverse childhood experiences. Have you ever heard of that? They're called ACEs for short. No, so, I oh, haven't. Yeah. So adverse childhood experiences there are 10 different things that can happen to you in childhood that are each um, 
considered an, uh, a trauma experience. And that's things like a, a death of a parent or loss of a parent or a parent goes to prison or um, neglect or abuse or whatever. Anyway, not to get too much of a bummer, but out of the 10, I have nine. Okay, so I have nine of the 10 ACEs. And, um, you know, I grew up in foster care. Uh, my mother gave me up when I was three months old, and my dad was in and out of prison. I was in like maybe 24 different foster homes, and then I ended up in the foster home of a Lutheran minister, his wife, and there are five kids, and I was very happy there. But when my dad got out of prison, he took me back. And then that was like an additional trauma. So I think a lot of it is how traumas accumulate, you know, and like you have, have constellations of trauma. So you're barely able to process one thing before you're already into the next thing. So there was like a lot of moving around, um, different kinds of emotional um, and physical, but not, you know, abuses. Like it was gnarly. Just put it like that. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, but but that said, I think that, and I've said this before, is that, um, you know, there's one version where I am the victim, and that, that version would go like, I was born, my parents didn't want me, they gave me away when I was three months old, and then there's the other version, the empowering version, which is, I got born, I took a look around, and I said, we can do better than this. <laughs> and I was out there. Like, you know, like, what is going on here? This is not good. What else do we have? What else is out there? And so I really did, in a way, I feel like I'm lucky to have had multiple experiences because I think sometimes when people grow up in a single family where all those abuses are happening, they don't have anything to compare it to. Where I could be in a situation... And certainly after having my one foster family, I could know this ain't right, basically. I would know, oh, there's other ways to be in the world besides the ways that I've experienced, you know, was experiencing currently. Yeah, and I read your your memoir, um, and it was great. And so I know a lot about it, but like, how did yeah. you it's such a beautiful story and it's so beautiful that you've been able to write about it and turn it into these great pieces of art. But like, how did you personally process all that stuff and heal from it? Well, I feel like I started processing it very early on. Like even by 19 or 20, I was already interested in therapy and whatever I could do to have a better life. Like, I just knew that I'd been through a lot, and I needed to work it out. Um, I do think that I have a temperament. Like, I definitely have a depressive streak, but um, my basic temperament is pretty happy. So there's a part of me that, you know, feels okay even when things are really hard. Um, I think I wrote it as I was talking to somebody about this earlier this week, there's a part of me that's always turned toward the sun, right? Like I always wanted something better, not in a, um, not in a material way, but in an emotional way. Like I knew there was a better life to have and I wanted to participate in it. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get that. 
just very much like, give me the therapy, give me the books, give me the spiritual path, let me up that, you know, you name it, like sweat lodge, I would do it, anything. And I still kind of will. I'm really a seeker. So what, I feel the same. I'm definitely a seeker too. So we're seeker squared. Let's seek, seeking out. <laughs> Let's seek it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have been your favorite modalities or like what really helped you the most? Well, I'd say that I have like a, a good 25 year relationship with therapy and therapy has worked for me. I've done all different kinds of therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapies, definitely trauma therapies like EMDR, um, brain spotting, somatic experiencing therapy, like you name it, I have done it. Even like when I had no money and I was a single mom, I was still in therapy because I would spend what money I had on therapy and getting better. Did you, so, how long did you have to do EMDR? Because I felt like EMDR and CBT really helped me the most. So somatic, CBT. I think EMDR CBT. helped me the most, yeah. Um, you know, I think I did 10 sessions of EMDR and I was a lot, I had, what it did is it just turned down the volume on things that had been there all my life. Like, here's a good example. I was like a person who was, quote, jealous, right? You, <laughs> if you were my boyfriend, <laughs> you would have experienced me as a jealous person. But what I came to understand is that that was PTSD because I had a primary caregiver, my dad, who was very, very focused on women and womanizing. So when I experienced the energy of a partner, of course, I was unconsciously drawn to these partners. When I would experience the energy of a partner that was directed out into the world toward whatever people, random women, I would relive my two, you know, or three toddler experience with my parent. Now, I did not know that's what I was experiencing until I went to EMDR. You know, I thought I was a jealous person, right? Um, and when I went to EMDR, we were able to work on that so that it wasn't so then I would go out with a boyfriend, for example, and maybe even some of that energy would be present. But instead of experiencing PTSD and like a beating heart and like sick to my stomach and all those things where I'm reliving my toddler experience, I it just turned the volume from an 11 down to like a 2. So suddenly I still, because I, to me, the essence of um, healing is when you can be in the moment and still have access to your rational mind, you know, like where there could be multiple things that are possibly happening instead of when you're in your trauma, it's only one thing happening. <laughs> you're totally sure you know what it is. And like, you're really terrified. Ah, the plane's going to crash. Whatever. Whatever it is that your mind is telling you, that's all your mind is telling you. And when you start to get the healing, the, the volume gets turned down on the really loud thing, and you can see that it's possible that there's maybe five possibilities. And you still have access to other potential narratives, and you still have access to your own rational, you know, being rational, to put it simply. Yeah. So that's what EMDR did for me, turned down the volume. Yeah, EMDR was my favorite, too. 
And I feel like I only went to 10 sessions also. And, it, uh -huh. and I love that it works really fast it does. for me and, and you also. And also I love that one day I went like a year later after I'd ended it, I went back to see my therapist because there was like a shootout at the building next door. And then the guy oh. burned it down and like all these oh. police were here. And she said, yeah, you don't really need to come here. You've kind of gra graduated and you have my number wow. if you need it. But I don't think that I think you're fine. And I've well, never had yeah. like a therapist say that. And I love that it works. So fast. I agree because I look at EMDR as a technology. It's it's more like a thing that when you do it, yeah, you, you do. It's not like you're going to do it forever and ever and ever. Although I do find that as I move through life, new experiences will sort of open up new pockets of, you know, potential healing, unprocessed trauma, like this experience of quarantine absolutely tied in to some of my foster child experience. There was no question about it. The first two weeks of sheltering in place were very intense for me because I was like, oh, this is like when I was you know, eight and had to leave my home and go to another home. And I was, everything was unfamiliar and I was separated. It felt like it reproduced those, um, those circumstances where everybody else was like going on with their lives. And I was somehow very separate and alone in it. So, but I welcome those opportunities now. I think now that I've had like EMDR and a lot of therapy, when those things come up, it becomes a moment where I'm like, oh, I can take another bite out of the apple, you know, because it's my apple, <laughs> you know, and my life and my apple, it's sacred. So anytime I get to grow, I welcome it, you know, which brings me to the art and the creativity thing. One quick question yeah. from Kristen in Oakland. Talk okay. about, she says, please talk about your experience in finding or vetting out a good therapist. I find that there oh, are a few truly good, effective therapists. I agree. There are a few truly good. It's like, it's like there's as many great therapists as there are great boyfriends. Okay. And they're just as hard to find. But you have to go to more than one therapist until you find the, the good um the collaborator, because that's really what it is. You have to think of yourself as you are the healer. The other person is the facilitator. So they don't need to be perfect. They just need to be somebody that you can do the work that you're trying to do with and that they can collaborate with you on it. So that to me made it like I have this one therapist who was kind of bananas. Like people would ask me for her recommendation. I'd be like, listen, I'm just going to tell you she's kind of bananas, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but if you aren't bothered by her particular form of bananas, you can do some great work there because she really does know how to do the work, you know. But so people's presentation, you know, it's all alchemy. It's like it's a, two people and whatever is coming out of that particular match. So I think you do have to see more than one person potentially unless you luck out. And how can people um, find the right therapist if they're struggling or on a budget or they don't feel that they could afford therapy? Yeah, that's so hard. I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't have all the answers to that. I do think that there's a lot of good research resource on psychology today. Has a um, uh, Their website has a 
resource with the therapists in different areas. Um, so that could be a place to start. Obviously, word of mouth. Anytime somebody, like I was almost going to ask you, Melinda, anytime somebody says to me they went to EMDR, I'm like, who did you go to? Because after a while, a good therapist won't take like too many clients from the same person. Yeah, um, uh, I get asked all the time and I, I went, I tried a few different places um, that I did not, that I wouldn't recommend. And then I ultimately found a, a person who I, who I liked at, who I jived with, I guess okay. you could say, at uh, Silver Lake Psychology, um, okay. which, which is right in Silver Lake. Um, and I know also that um, the Maple Center is a place where people are getting their license or something and so uh -huh. it, it's like a lower rate for people and yeah. that's that's down on pico or something and then there are several places like that that i've heard of yeah there's usually community resources like you have to want it yeah. let's just say yeah. you know, like, however far you're willing to go to get your worst vice that's how far you're gonna have to go to get the healing you know and yeah. they're very analogous you know so if you're willing to like I don't know what your vice is, you know, but whatever it is, if you're willing to drive or you're willing to work at it, you have to be willing to just, you're not going to take no for an answer. You're here for the healing and you're in it for the life, the lifetime, if you want, you know, um, if you have significant trauma, that's something that's going to be recurring throughout your life because you're always in, hopefully you're always growing and you're being faced with new situations that are allowing you to grow in new ways you know like i've found every time i have a healing i expand and every time i expand i need a healing so there's a whole um process and then over the years i'm just a much deeper i mean it's like i'm making some sort of claim i'm just a much more fulfilled and full person than I was 20 years ago. I am I just, too. Okay. Absolutely. And I also think that if I had it to do again, I would interview therapists on the phone if they allow it. I would uh -huh. just get a sense up front. Yeah. Ask some basics. Yeah. What we need is an app for therapists <laughs> where you swipe <laughs> and then you text and then you get on the phone. And if there's not sheltering in place, you meet with them in person. <laughs> yeah. And then you can and I you can send them your ten questions like I send my my Raya dates. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole thing. Wait, can we stop and say that? We yeah. were talking before, we were talking about relationships, and Melinda has a questionnaire, and I want you to send me the questionnaire of Gucci Dubs, okay? A questionnaire of 10 things that she sends to a potential somebody before she gives out her phone number, which I was like, do I need to be doing this? Maybe I need to be doing this. So maybe we all need to be doing this. Or maybe not. It's like you just have to follow your heart. But I did think it was great. I'm so glad you like it. it. It's a new thing. So I'm kind of just giving it a test run. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's a keeper yet, but right. um, we'll we'll see. I, I do like, though, a sort of just are we on the same page with some basics? Right. That would, right. we would need to be on the same page about to even talk on the phone. Well, you could or you could just find that out in talking on the phone. But everybody has their... Here's the beautiful thing to me is that you get to honor you. This is the whole point of like going to therapy is to find out who am I, what do I need, and I get to honor me. It's not like when you're, when 
when you're sort of going, well, you look at your friend and you're like, what do you do? And then you do what they do. And that's not, it's not like that. It's like you, what you want to do is what works and is right for little Melinda, you know, and you deserve that. And when you do trial and error, you get to find out more about what that is. So, but I, so I think to each their own, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because I don't want what they want, what she wants, what they Exactly. Want. We're all in different, we all have different needs. Yeah. Someone might be like, that's, that's cray. Okay. <laughs> I have so many questions for you. All <laughs> right, let's do, do it. Do people still say cray, by the way? Okay. Um, they do if they want. That's right. Here's what they don't say. Uh, bling. No one says bling. Nobody <laughs> does, but they're not doing bling anymore. Uh, I know it's just playing. I don't think we're supposed to say lit either. I, I would, if you say lit, get out. Yeah. Um, I was watching El Camino this weekend. It was so good. The Breaking Bad oh. movie. Which one? The Breaking Bad movie. Oh, wow. And I love okay. that they brought back Jesse's character and he kept saying, bitch. And he was like at the buffet oh, yeah. and he was like, so get some pineapple, bitch. Right. I love the consistency. People still say bitch. <laughs> Bitches not died. There's still uh-huh. a use for it in the English language. Okay. Yeah. How did this processing of, of, of these things inform your creative process? Because you are such a prolific creative. Wow. How do you do that? Oh, goodness. Well, I think that I – okay, let's see. When I start to sit down to write something, whether it's a book, a screenplay, no matter what it is, I really am looking for something of me in there. My starting point is going to be a question that I have not answered for myself. So when I haven't answered a question for myself all the way, and I can go into my creative process, that's what gets me engaged and what makes it good. So I started out in journalism. I wrote TV news for 16 years. And then the, the, um, and I dabbled in screenplays, but nothing was ever like, that good and finally though the screenplay that I wrote that really broke broke through and got me an agent was because I was in the middle of my third divorce was falling I mean I wasn't even the divorce my marriage was falling apart and um of course the marriage I had chosen this partner out of my trauma the relationship was failing out out of my trauma (laughs) and so as I started writing the screenplay I learned to take see before that I had always been doing like kind of like docudrama you know what I mean based on my own life but what I learned how to do in that one is take a completely different situation than anything that was mine a completely different character than someone who was me but give them my thoughts and my feelings So I took all that pain and uncertainty and confusion and whatever that I was in, I gave it to a character and basically I watched her work it out. And as she worked it out, that became the story. And it was weirdly kind of a thriller. Even though it was a drama, it had a thriller quality to it because it was a real page turner. Like people would be like, I just wanted to see what was going to happen next. And I'm like, yeah, so did I. (laughs) Because I was like living it in this one way. So 
I love now, that. By having a healing, but I'm also making it so that I feel like the experience people have when they read your work or hear the, your work or whatever your format is, see your work, is going to be, it's literally like they're just going to get infused with whatever you were in when you wrote it, painted it, sang it, whatever is your thing. So because I was at the edge of what I was trying to work out for myself in this thing, it now I look back and I'm like, of course, that's a thing that broke me through and got me an agent. And here's the thing. That script has never got made, but I, it has gotten me so many jobs, at least like six or seven jobs, because the thing that's in there is the truth. I mean, it is my truth that I was in, and it's like a real that character has a real problem and she has a drive to try to figure it out. So what, what was the problem? So I was in a relationship where let's go back to my, um, my dad and the men I chose out of my dad and my dad wound, if you will. Um, so he was in a, what would you say? He had a lot of stuff going on, just like a lot of stuff going on, like online or whatever. God bless him. We're, we're at peace. We're friends. But so I found a story about a woman. I don't even know where this idea came from, but it was essentially the essence of my story. So a woman's husband dies. She is cleaning out his office. She hits the um, space bar on his computer. The thing lights up because he dies suddenly, it lights up, and she sees that he's on MySpace. Okay, superior piece. <laughs> She's like, and he's got all these top friends. What? And she doesn't even know what's going on. She's like, what is this world? Who is this man I was married to? And so she sets out to meet the top friend, and in doing so, goes on an entire journey of herself, her marriage, parts of herself that she left behind as a result of her marriage and this young woman that she meets and they, they cross and shit goes down. And, um, it was really a lot about what I was experiencing, which was when you find yourself married to somebody that you don't even really know, you're like, who was this person? And she wanted to, and what she found out and what I found out through my third marriage was, that person I didn't know who they were was me. Mm. That's who I needed. That's how I ended up there because I didn't know who I was. And by trying to find out who they are, you find out who you are. I love that. And so do you feel like you could only have investigated that after processing certain traumas? I think the whole situation was coming from my trauma. So no, it's not a sequential thing. It's more like there is no past, present, and future. There is now. So everything that's happening now contains everything that you need to have the healing and process, right? Then the therapy is like a place where you step outside of it sometimes, but mostly you're in your life. And then the creativity is another place where you step outside of it. But it, um, it's weird because it's both and like I was just texting with somebody about Schrodinger's cat and I'm always talking about Schrodinger's cat that's like that thought experiment where the cat's in a box 
and the cat is alive inside the box. But if you take the, if you open the box and take the cat out, the cat is dead. So the cat is said to be alive and dead at the same time. And it's a thought experiment, Google it, whatever. But this is the truth about, for me, about the creativity is that it's Schrodinger's cat. It's like you are both living it and working it out at the same time. It's not like we think like, well, when I'm done with this, then I can go do that. That's not how it works. It's as I do this, I am doing that. You know, as I work through my stuff in my book or my screenplay or my whatever it is, my blog post, you know, when I read my, so I've written three books and the second one was a kind of a comedic self-help based on this piece that I wrote that went viral in 2011. What was the piece? It's called Why You're Not Married. Yes. Yeah. It got me, it made me a lot of friends. <laughs> um, but whatever. Um, and I got a book deal and I read, so after you write a book, then you have to do the audio book. So I'm reading the audiobook, and about it's like a four-day process. And after I'm like day two, I realize, oh my god, I wrote an entire book to myself. <laughs> but like this whole book is to me. So it's like another example of how I took the result of my trauma is that I was married three times. The um, processing of it was the writing of this piece that even while I'm doing it, I don't even really know what I'm doing. So that's what I'm saying. It's not all conscious. You have to let the unconscious be as much a part of it as anything. If you think you know what you're doing all the time, you're limited, you know, because hopefully you don't. Hopefully you don't. This one? How do you know when you are living a trauma? that's a question. And then we also have this other question, Tracy, what are you reading right now? And what are some of your favorite podcasts? Well, I'm not a big podcast. Okay. I'll tell you, I have one podcast that I listen to regularly and it's, um, Dharma punks, Josh Corda, K O R D with K. He does neuroscience and attachment and trauma. He's amazing. I love his podcast. It's really the only one I listen to. I listen to music and, and now I don't drive anywhere. So, um uh and when i do my walk i listen to music um what was the other part the other question was how do you know when you are living a trauma that was okay your body is going to tell you when you're in trauma so is the thing happening to you body centered like is your body going like ah that's going to be to me that's my number one hint that I'm dealing with a trauma because, and also when you have areas of your life that just won't change, no matter how hard you try, that is a sign that it's driven by trauma. Trauma is, it's going to look very irrational, you know, like how come they won't just do blank? You know, also whenever, when you see people having like, Basically, all the mental illnesses have trauma at their roots, you know? So when people are very narcissistic or they, you know, when you have a friend who's, like, got some borderline stuff going on or whatever, you can just be sure that's trauma. That's where that starts. Um, that's why, though, you're not going to talk anybody out of their trauma. That is, It's just way more resistant than anything. And there are reasons for that. Listen to Josh Corda's 
podcast and he'll tell you all about it. It has to do with the way the brain is organized and what happens when we have trauma. Our brains are affected. You get a sort of almost scar tissue or the the bridges between the right and the left side of your brain get washed out. So you just don't have access to a certain kind of brain function when trauma is happening. So it's very complicated stuff, but on another level, it's very simple. You know when it's happening because it, it really is accompanied by usually a very intense body sensation or feeling. Okay. Thank you. And, um, we got another question here. Aside from talk therapy, what are some modalities of healing that you recommend? Okay. So I would say like, like Kundalini breath work. Amazing. I love that. Um, I've done just recently a whole series of breath work workshops. So that's like you're doing a certain kind of breathing pattern. And as you do it, it, it basically taps into stuff stored in your body and you release it. So that is amazing. Kundalini breath work, um, yoga. I love all my yoga, Pilates, all that is good. Prayer, meditation, walking, service, sharing with others. These are all been parts of, you know, I have a child He's now an adult. <laughs> um, how, how so much of the work that I did with my son, just being a present mother to whatever was happening with him, created my own healing. Because what you give away, you keep. So when I was giving something to him, of like containing emotions for him, I was also experiencing that on a very deep level. Cool. And um, have you ever done psychedelics? Psychedelics? Well, I mean, years and years and super years ago, I have. Yeah, like 25 years ago. But I don't think they were really part of my healing necessarily. I felt like um, I had some insight there for sure. I think, like, I remember feeling like, LSD gave me insight into other people and like MDMA gave me insight into myself, you know? Okay, cool. But that question. I got way more fun. insight writing stuff than I did through my psychedelic stuff. Yeah, me too. I'd rather go. I'm, yeah. I'm like, whatever. I'm here. Like, whatever works. Like, whatever works. Ayahuasca, a lot of people are on that train. So how, yeah. what's, what's your current creative process? Because we got to wrap. Wrap yeah. it up. My next guest is arriving soon on her private plane into the studio. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what's my current thing? Well, my thing is I have a very just simple writing practice. I wake up in the morning. I go to the coffee. I get the coffee. I sit down. I put my finger on the keys. That's it. It's that simple. How long do you write for? Happened. It could be one minute. It could be never. It could be three hours. You just It just depends. Now, I would say in this COVID time, I'm not terribly focused. I'm a very slow writer these days. I've had periods where I will wake up, write in the morning for two hours, go into a writer's room, write television all day, you know, do television, and then, 
you know, do that every day. So I generally am working on something at all times. Like I basically write every single day. It's not even a question. So like, what's your time? Like you sit and go, I'm going to do 10 minutes. I'm going to do an hour or I'm just going to follow the news. I don't organize it. I'm going to put my fingers on the keys. That's my, that's your regime. Yeah. That's hard. That is hard. And like, believe me, that's the hardest thing. And do you, do you, like, I feel like I don't so much write as I channel. Like I go on a walk, I'm receiving ideas. I jot them in my phone and then I, next time I have the laptop. Yeah, I never get the jotting. I never jot, darn it. I wish I did. I take like Um, little bullet pointed notes. I go, because I go on walks, I get ideas. I go, oh, this person says this, this person does this. And then I just like shorthand it somebody say that a real smart writer said to them one day that any that anything that no the only writing that really happens is when you're at the keyboard Mm. right everything else like thinking about writing or because like i will where do the answers come from like there are so many times when you'll be writing you have a problem in a script or whatever and then suddenly the answer comes and you're like where it come from but it where, you know, you just, it's like magic. It's magic. I feel like writing is like dreaming. I, sometimes if I've had a long writing session, I come out, I'm like, oh, it's like, I'm just... so, yeah. yeah. Do you like, Tracy, like, what was it like? Why, what's happening to my phone? I can't see your face. Okay, there you go. What was it like when you won the Emmy? Do you, did you get to carry an Emmy home? No, I only won the um, Writer's Guild Award. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. No, um, that's not true. It's funny. It's right over there. Um, they spelled my name wrong, right? You know, I have this way that everyone spells my name wrong. They spelled my name wrong, and I decided not to fix it because I was like, no, this is fine. I like the mistake. Um, gosh. You know, I wasn't going to go to the ceremony because I'd gotten fired from the job. It was Mad Men. And I got fired because a lot of people get fired from Mad Men. And that was fine, right? And then I was like, well, I can't very well go to the ceremony if I got fired. But then people were like, no, you have to go. You have to go. And I was like, all right. So I showed up by myself. I mean, they send a car for you. But I showed up by myself. It was one of the more braver things I've ever done. And um, it was fine. And then when we won and I, we all each had to say a few words. And I was like, it really taught me something. Like, and, and then the showrunner who had fired me and I was afraid of, you know, <laughs> he was just as gracious as anything. And I thought, well, it's a good thing I didn't let my fear stop me from showing up. You yeah. know, so that's, that was that experience. It was actually a good lesson. It's a good lesson. What was the lesson? Show up. Like, don't, it's like you have to unhook from another person's experience of you. Like, so what? So that guy fired me, but my name is still on the list of people who are there to win this thing or nominated for this thing. So I'm going to go with my version of me instead of his version of me. My worth is what I say it is not what he said it was and the weird thing is is when i showed up 
he gave me the words that I claimed. He did not go back to what you were here. No, he was just as sweet as could be. So I'm like, oh, I get it. This is about letting go. Like you cannot, you, you have to just love yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where that, and that is really what led to the Ted talk and all the stuff that's come after that was all part of those experiences that taught me like, it kind of doesn't matter what another person says unless you let it. Mm. How did the Ted talk come about? Um, I was, my kid was at a school and one of the moms at school said, Oh, this lady I know got a TEDx franchise in Santa Monica. You should do a talk. And I've had a long history of, I say yes to everything, like anything anybody asks me to do. Like if you ask me to come on your zoom thing, I'll be like, I don't even know what it is. And I'll be like, sure. Um, so they were like, Hey, you want to do a TED talk? And I was like, okay. And that's how it started. And so I, I wrote this TED Talk, and then I did it, and here we are, like so many views later. And What's it called the, again? I want to go watch it. The per, it's called The Person You Really Need to Marry, and it's really about how I was married three times, but I kept marrying the wrong person. The person I needed to marry was me, and mm -hmm. when I did that, my life changed. So How did you do that, like, but without watching the TED Talk? reading the book like what are the top tip takeaways it's about loving yourself committing to yourself putting a ring on it not just because you're having a good hair day or because you look cute or because you got a good job it's like you love you for better or for worse you know for richer or for poor mm -hmm. like you get in there with yourself and you do it you don't go you don't you you start to see what your relationship is with yourself because the relationship you're having with you is the one you're having with everybody. Mm. You're just like projecting that out into the world. How do so you So as you learn how to love you and show up for you and you know truly love you. That's not like thinking you're cute. That's like loving yourself when you're not cute, you know, and owning when you're not cute and I'm owning all of you unconditional love yeah how do and you do that though like what how do you get there so let's say you do something stupid okay like you fuck something up you say the wrong thing some you know you say the wrong thing to an important person and then instead of the self-talk that goes you fucked that up that was an important person instead of being that parent to yourself you be a loving parent to yourself and you're like, it's okay, sweetheart. I love you. It's okay. People make mistakes. It's all right. That's what I mean. I and okay. I completely you agree. Stuff like it's yoga, you know. I completely agree with this. Okay, we only have two minutes because I know you have your next thing. I um, do. You have your next. Your your jet is arriving. I know. I'm like somebody's texting me right now. But, I'm supposed to be somewhere. But I want to get this. What question? If you have one second to answer, yes, how do you develop a TV show? The question right here from our listener. How do you develop a TV show? Well, you have an idea. I mean, there's a million ways. That's a very inside baseball question. I don't know where you are in your whole scheme of things. Right. But I would start with a great script. So I just wrote a script in December that I was like, I want to do this show and nobody can stop me from writing a thing. So I'm just going to write the thing. So that's what I did. Um, so I would start with that. 
And you want to make a show that is going to help other people. Like, is it a story that America needs? That's where I'd start. I love that. And also, I am 38. I've never been married, and I am so hard on myself over it, is a comment from our user. Oh, yeah. The last one we'll take, because Tracy's got to go. Yeah, I'm having a walk with my friend. Okay. A a a social distancing walk. Well, guys, um, do you have time to answer that one? I'm 38. What? I'm 38. I've never been married, and I'm so hard on myself over it. Stop being hard on yourself. Just start loving yourself. Just practice. It's okay to be 38 and unmarried. That's fine. It's okay. That married isn't even a goal. Tracy's been married three times. Look at her. She's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Just loving you is the goal. Just try that. Just for today, you know. Absolutely. And if you want to hear more uh, from Tracy, you can actually follow her on Instagram at at Tracy McMillan. And she does videos all the time about this kind of stuff. Super helpful videos. And um, anything else you want to tell us before you go, Tracy? No, just I love you guys. That's it. I love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Have a great walk. Bye. Bye, Tracy. Okay, you guys, stick around. We have EG Daily coming. And um, if you're enjoying this podcast, um, please subscribe to it in the link in my bio. Uh, you can also go to Anchor. It's also on Spotify and iTunes, and it's called Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. Thank you for subscribing, sharing it with your friends, anyone who could benefit. And thank you so much. Hi guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, um, I'd appreciate it if you could share it with someone else who could also enjoy or benefit from it um, by either sending the link or sharing it on your socials, tweeting about it, Facebooking it, Instagramming it, TikToking it, whatever you kids do. Also, um, how about being a sponsor? You can sponsor this podcast for only like $5 a month or whatever amount you want to um, give toward its imminent success. Um, Just click on anchor subscribe button and um, be a part of our team. Thanks so much for your support. We can't do it without you. um, And we love you very much. Bye.